Hey everybody, welcome to the Lando Lakers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky coming to you Sunday night. Uh, what is it, like one week or something like that after the Lakers have won a title, Andy? Something like yeah, that? Indeed. Indeed. Time, like that. time keeps passing. We're watching the Dodgers now go to the World Series, looking for a historic, in many ways, sports year in Los Angeles. Yeah, and the, you know, the Rams didn't look good on Sunday, but they're competitive. It's basically like the center of the sports world. It's an argument between Los Angeles and Tampa which feels yep. very 2020 to me. Like those are your choices. Like the, the, one of the jewel cities of America or Tampa, those are your choices where all the titles are going to go. Um, yep. So uh, a, a lot to get into today. Before we do that, I want to remind you 20% off a delicious pizza when you use the password cam brothers, two locations, Hollywood and West Adams. Great, great pizza. You can buy uh, you can get yourself um, from a, a big Lakers fan Love their support of the show. Really appreciate it. Delicious pizza. Again, two locations uh, in L.A., Hollywood and West Adams. Order yourself some of that. Tell them we sent you. Get 20% off. Um, so you, we'll get into some roster stuff, obviously, with the Lakers and some some big NBA news this week with Daryl Morey leaving the Rockets, Ty Lue being hired by the Clippers. So a lot going on in the Western Conference. But, of course, Andy, as Frank Vogel said so often throughout the playoffs, it's not about what other teams do. It's not about what everyone else is up to. It's about our. It's about us and about what we're doing. So that's how we're going to focus because the Lakers have a, a kind of a big question in front of them. Do you run it back? Because they kind of could, mostly if they want to. I would. I mean, but like Maybe. with almost exactly the same roster, they could yes. run it back. Yes, I would. I mean, you always look to get better if you can, and if you have an opportunity to bring in a major piece that you think could checkmate the rest of the league potentially without giving up too much of either your team's character or depth, right. obviously you look into something like that. But by and large, I, I feel like the foundation of this team is there that if you if you essentially ran it back with some moves around the margins and those moves may end up happening by necessity, because certain free agents they can't keep. Right. As long as you have LeBron and Anthony Davis healthy and invested, that's a hell of a foundation. Yeah, like, it's, it does provide a certain luxury. Well. Yeah, it does give them a certain luxury. And, and you know, you mentioned it's funny. Like they're how they do this is they could have almost a, an identical run back to last year's team whether they want to or not, depending on who opts into their contracts. And and it could be radically different depending on who opts out and what money they get around the league. And it's, it's going to be such a weird offseason. It's not a good free agent class. But I think teams are going to be – there aren't a lot of teams that can spend money anyway, and everybody's going to be a little hesitant because financially the league is not in the best spot owing to the pandemic and all the uncertainty that comes next year. So – Reading this, I'm terrible at it anyway. Maybe you have a better feel than I do. Reading this market is well beyond my ability. It's going to be really difficult. I mean, when, when you start hearing people who really follow this stuff closely and are really, you know, like that's their area of expertise um, when it comes to covering the NBA, and they say they're having a difficult time reading it, then I'm willing to accept their word that a lot of this is just difficult to handicap. But, it, you know, you look at the Lakers last year, and a lot of what they did was 
run certain guys back by necessity because pretty much everybody on the team that wasn't included as part of the Anthony Davis deal, whether to New Orleans or you know the guys who went to Washington in order to create more cap space, they more they or less brought them yeah, all back. Right, and you know they they Danny Green was in some ways directly related to their free agent plans because you know they were they were pursuing Kawhi. Right. They didn't have a lot of choice, so they had to right. kind of bring back their guys because those are the only guys that were there. Right. I mean that that's ultimately what it was. I mean. Danny Green was specifically attached to the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. Had Danny Green played for literally any other team in the league than Toronto, the Lakers would not have had a shot at him. Correct. Then from there, you're talking about a newcomer in Avery Bradley. And then who it should be noted, not a lot of people wanted. It's not like Avery Bradley was sought after. He was coming off of like two or three of the worst PER seasons the league has ever recorded. Right. And then DeMarcus Cousins and Dwight Howard were both, you know, low risk, high reward signings for very different reasons. But the, my larger point is in some ways, the Lakers ran it back to the degree that they could for what potentially might be the same reasons this year. They have no choice, right? It's okay. So as far as I can tell, this really comes down to sort of this question of, you know, how you do it. Do you run about, Oh, it comes down to three different, uh, a few different questions. The first one is, do you feel like you need kind of a Ron Artest? Is it good to just shake things up a little bit? Because, you know, the Lakers' chemistry this year was famously good, but it's hard to replicate those things from one season to the next. Like, so do you feel you need at least a tweak in this energy? That's one question. I think another question is, how much are you concerned about the summer of 2021 or what we're calling the Giannis summer or what we're calling the reason Costas is on the team summer. Like all of those things become relevant to the decisions that you make this off season. And all of those things I think are related to the biggest question, which is how big of a gap do you think there is right now between the Lakers and the rest of the conference? Because if you think it's big or as big as it's going to get with Golden State coming back, with Dallas ascending, with Denver ascending, whatever it might be. But the Lakers are far farther ahead now than you think they might be in a year or two. Certainly that would be an argument for going for it, um, even at the expense of cap space next summer, and trying to get a title now. So I think those are, those are the big questions. And a couple of those, I think, are actually answered a little bit just by looking at KCP. Because of all the guys that they have, you know, you mentioned the dudes who can opt out, and it's JaVale, and it's Avery Bradley, and Rondo, who's already reportedly going to do it, and KCP is reportedly going to do it. Good as playoff Rondo was, overall, I don't think anybody would argue that the hardest guy to replace there, if you let him go, is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. The Lakers can... He can opt out, and because of the weirdness of signing him three times in a row to one-year deals... They have full bird rights. They can sign him and use their mid-level and their biannual exception or whatever they've got left. So that's just, do we want to spend the money for however many years that is? Yeah, and the answer to that question to me is you bring back KCP, you are likely bringing him back to a multi-year deal, and you give him a multi-year deal, and then you worry about the rest later. It's and, like a three and like guys like Hollinger think he's going to make certainly if he, he's he making made eight points he can make eight point seven I think next year or something like that yes make over ten in yeah. multiple years so you're looking let's let's say like three and thirty six or something like that twelve a year 
Yeah, uh, Hollinger actually, in a piece that he wrote in The Athletic, uh, pointed out that they could actually give KCP an extension off an opt-in. Like, it's not it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a given that he's going to opt out in order to get but, some type of longer-term deal. Some sort of arrangement where they right. pay him more because if they don't give him more money or something like that, he can opt out and get it somewhere else. They're going right. to pay him to keep him. They are going to have to pay him to keep him. I mean, unless, I mean, I don't even know what the rules are and all this, but unless they gave him the mother of all one-year deals, like, I don't know, like the, the mana from heaven <laughs> deal that when they first brought him in. dollars. That something. That's not, not okay. You can't yeah. I mean, it's something along those lines. They're all, they're, what, if they, what if they maxed out KCP but didn't, like, we need, sorry, AD, we need that money for Contavious. That's uh, one way to do it. It's yeah. I mean, I guess you know, if Rob Palenka's feeling so, saucy, right? So let's say, okay. So that's let's say that's the deal. You to keep Contavious Caldwell Pope means three and thirty six, which means twelve million dollars less that you have next summer and all that kind of stuff. Might even might even be a higher number. Might even be a higher number. Do you do that? Yes, absolutely. You do it, and then you. I am very much of the opinion that cap space is overrated. Because we have learned over the years that all these different contracts that everybody swore up and down are immovable, ultimately found there were ways that they were found to get moved. I mean, think of all like Timothy Mozgov, Russell Westbrook, Blake Griffin, Chris, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, like all these different contracts that have been described as impossible to move have been traded. There is always a way. It is harder, in my opinion to win a championship than it is to create cap flexibility. Right. You can do it if, and, if you, you are. And, and the Lakers have to be, I think, a little more careful. That I agree I agree with you in, in big picture terms. But the Lakers, you know, they have fewer picks that they can use. Like, it is going to be yes. harder for them, but it's not impossible. And I'll, I'll say this. Like, I, I think, and we'll get to this question of, of the gap, but – you know the Lakers right now are in are in certainly a very good position, and I I you know Giannis is Giannis, um, and all that and whatever you can do in that and then next summer and whoever becomes it's it's very difficult. It's also difficult to like the market changes, things shift, guys get happy somewhere, unhappy somewhere else, and and all of that. But if I thought I could really improve my chances of winning this year and still sustain a good team into 2021-22, I would I, it's fine. It means I can't get Giannis or really make it hard to get Giannis. Okay. Because I'm yeah. not totally sure Giannis, because I don't think that, LeBron, I don't think LeBron is done at the end of his con at the end of these two years. AD is still and I don't know if I if I if Giannis is going to look at this with you know 37, 38 year old LeBron and then AD and look at it and be like that's where I want to go. So I'm not I'm not messing up or mitigating my chances of being a really good team for 2020. I don't even know what to call next season. Next season in order to maximize my opportunity to get Giannis. Yeah, I wouldn't do it either. I mean, especially just because these these things are really dicey and as much as the Lakers, you know, in back-to-back years got LeBron and got Anthony Davis, we've also seen that they can strike out on big ticket free agents as well sure they struck they struck out with paul george they struck out with Kawhi leonard you know they they have right. struck- it's not just a remnant of the old regime no the new regime exactly too exactly i mean guy, guys can be unpredictable in terms of what they want 
And when you already have something good and you already have something that you know is championship caliber, I feel like it's irresponsible and in a lot of ways just bad judgment to sacrifice an opportunity to win another one and put yourself in the best position to win that other one in order to create some future opportunity down the road. I just I just feel like what they have right now you should be maximizing it Completely. because other other honestly other than Giannis other than Giannis because Anthony Davis presumably will be off that free agent. It's not even worth talking about. Right, but I'm just saying Anthony Davis was always one of those guys talked about with the 2021 free agency. Assuming he's with the Lakers, then you start looking at Paul George, who, I mean, how many different times are you going to do this? But, you know, I mean, yes, Paul George could be a great third option, but how much are you going to pay for him? That sort of stuff. Kawhi, do you want to go down that road again? Victor Victor Oladipo, I mean, they could potentially trade for him, right? And then, and then you have the then you have the ability to, if you wanted to, get a year of him, improve the team this year, and then decide what you want to do with sure. that with him moving That's forward in twenty twenty one when he becomes a free agent and you have his bird rights. I mean, th- there are different avenues like that. My larger point is the free agent class of twenty twenty one, especially with AD no longer part of the picture and some of the context specific to the Lakers, it's not that incredible. Right. And I don't think it's actually worth keeping your powder dry to the point of getting in the way of what you do at an attempt for a repeat. Like, I just right. don't think it's smart. And so you look at somebody like KCP, and, you know, he's obviously proved his value to, uh, during the regular uh, during the, uh, really the regular season, especially in the playoffs. But, you know, the thing about him that is, I think, critical here is, He's he's really going to be hard to replace. That I mean, when you look at the the kind of player that he is, um, and what that costs on the market, if you let him go, you're essentially going to have to use your you know whatever your 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 largest cap exception is the nine million dollar mid level whatever they have available to them on replacing KCP. Yes, um, and that's a that's a horribly inefficient use of of your assets because. Ideally, you'd love to try to, you know, are the rumors about Danilo Gallinari wanting exactly. to play, exactly. you know, go win a title somewhere and be because, like, wow, you if you can get Gallo or somebody like that who can really, really fill a third score role in ways that we all hope Kuz would this year and didn't. Um, if if Gallo has reached that point, then you want to be able to do that. And the problem with signing, you know, you could do it anyway, but the problem is if you sign Gallo, you sign the stuff that comes with Gallo, which is massive injury risk and all these other things. Like KCP isn't just a useful player on both sides of the ball, brings energy, shot the ball well this year, and, and all of those things, 39, almost 39% from, the, from three. He plays. Like on a team, yes, on a team with LeBron aging, AD, always that lingering injury risk. Every time AD falls down, which is twenty times a game, game. people have a fucking heart attack, and I don't blame them. No, and and a roster that you know is going to be filled out with guys who, kind of definitionally, you're going to have a lot of older veterans. Yeah. to have a guy, KCB has never played fewer than seventy four games in a season, except this year when they they didn't play enough of them. So, like, you know, you have 
you can, that is a massively important thing. A guy who's been available for basically every game that you need him for since he got here on oh, this team. By the way, to, extra value to reinforce uh, that durability. You're talking about the 74 year. That was the first year with the Lakers. You know why I missed a bunch of those games? Yeah, he was in, <laughs> he was in jail. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to rub his face. No, in it. I'm just no. Saying. But it's like as the old saying goes. <laughs> You can't play from prison. <laughs> no, well, as the old saying goes, you can't play from prison unless the games are in California, in which case you can. Right, you can't. And you can play in prison. Yes. Uh, yes, you know, and I, I imagine if there were any games, KCP dominated. He was first and, picked and every probably time. Probably picked first, exactly. Oh, but, yeah. But you cannot play from there. So, um, Assuming I, he doesn't go back to prison... The guy never misses games. Yeah, well, I mean, no, he's just really durable. He's really very. Maybe, and if he didn't miss a game in prison, that's even more impressive. So, like Ron, you know, there you start going down the rest of the list. If Javale McGee opts out, I don't think he will because if you want to talk about a brutal market for centers. I think this is probably it. And he can make four and a half million bucks really. But like, if Javale opts out and says I can sign for a one and one for six, and so the Lakers will give him six and bring him back. It's fine. None of that stuff necessarily matters. You know, same with Rondo. You know, I don't think the league, somebody in the league, is going to give Rondo guaranteed three years at five million a year. And if they do, he's probably gone. Um, but assuming like the years don't get saucy and all that kind of stuff, the only guy I think you look at and go, yeah, you kind of within some reason, and you're not maxing out KCP. But if somebody goes up to like thirteen or fourteen, and you'd rather only pay him twelve, but you got to do that for three seasons, I think you still have to bring him back. Because Absolutely. And he, you know, he's 27 years old. He's right in that sort of space where, you know, and he just, he's a valuable guy on this team and he cannot be replaced with what they have available. They, they don't have enough stuff to be able to let guys go. And if you let KCP go to a move like Kuz and green and whoever you draft at 28 for one really good player starts to become dicier because now you have to fill in two spots with basically veteran minimum guys or an exception or whatever it might be. I, you know, I, I think KCP, and I don't think anybody would have thought this a few years ago, KCP becomes a critical off-season signing. I do expect that he'll be back. Especially, too. It, it, it's not just solely trying to replace him on the open market with, with a mid-level, which will be difficult. He also plays so well specifically yeah. with LeBron and AD. Like it, it is not an accident or just pure coincidence that he had maybe the most consistent season of his career, certainly as a Laker, not just with LeBron, but playing with LeBron and AD. And when you see what those two do on the floor and what is needed alongside them and, and the guys that can thrive best with those two working in tandem, like KCP is like a prototype. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, go back and I'm going to read off all of his numbers. Once he got past that horrendous start at the beginning of the year, he was pretty solid, pretty, you know, you know the worst month he had shooting was 46% in January. I mean, it's just, um, so I, I think we're in agreement on that. And, you know, I, I think we're also both in agreement on, on this question of, are you willing to sacrifice some flexibility for next summer? Um, I am all in on that because yeah. I, I really think that the, the gap between the Lakers and the rest of the conference is not going to get bigger than it is now. Um, you know, the, the Warriors are coming back. 
I mentioned the teams that are ascending. There are a lot of there's a lot of quality. The only team that I think is going the wrong way right now is Houston, and we'll talk about them in a second. But you know, the Lakers kind of ran away with the conference, and I realized the Clippers were not trying to win it, um, and all of these things. And I realized the Warriors were not playing as the war. I, I get all that. But they ran away with the conference in the regular season, and they went 12-3 and against it in the playoffs. And that's a gap. And I'm not saying it's not insurmountable. I think the Clippers will be a much different team next year. I think they'll be better, and we'll talk about Ty Lue in a second as well. They still got to make it up in the Lakers, and I think the biggest thing that the Lakers have going for them now is that the rest of the league hasn't figured out the template to attack LeBron and AD as a tandem because what you have it's not like having a great backcourt in Steph and Clay where it's incredibly hard to to deal with them but it's still kind of conventional if you understand what I'm saying yeah in LeBron you have a power forward who is the, like arguably the best point guard in the NBA and Anthony Davis who keeps becoming more and more freakish in what he's able to do and so, you know, you have two bigs who can play like smalls and allow the Lakers to play small ball without ever actually going small. The rest of the, of the conference has to figure out how to deal with that. The, and the longer you let them do it, the better they're going to get at it. So I think next year is their best chance to win another title. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to think as you were talking of some type of comp, Brian, but, you know, in terms of what we've seen before in, in a – Two man, two man grouping like LeBron and AD. I don't. Yeah, I mean, like in not just in terms of you know, LeBron is essentially a guard at this point in his career. So like a guard big man tandem, but like also the versatility and the different ways you can you know implement these guys. Yeah, I started thinking about Steph and Draymond. You know, in terms of the way Draymond can be used all over the floor, but Draymond doesn't have the same type of size, and you and you can't right. Steph can attack. Steph, I think, is actually an underrated finisher. Sure, but Steph can't be used in the post the way LeBron can. Like they're not. They're not. LeBron, I think honestly, I think you have to look at. I mean, the closest comp is probably the 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 Heat teams that had Bosch there too. Because except Bosch wasn't featured as much. It's really hard. Right. Like, but, I'm, and, but, but, like, and AD is a better if 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 Chris Bosch were one of the best players like you know tiny handful of best players of his generation he'd have been anthony davis bosch is a surefire hall of famer and was in it is a almost i think criminally underrated when you look at how those teams won in miami but he uh, bosch at his peak was not anthony davis no it's it's also just really part of what makes the lakers so difficult to i mean it's ironic to say this because their offense by and large lagged behind their defense but part of what makes them difficult, even along those lines, to stop offensively, is just the the versatility that you have in LeBron and right. AD exactly. together. Like I, you know, co- as versatile as when, Powell was when LeBron was playing or AD was playing at the level that he was. Right, as the playoffs went on where he's like, mid ranging, hit the three, and he's getting right. all that stuff. As versatile as Powell was, and Powell was an extremely versatile big man. You still couldn't, or. You didn't, at least, if he had been told to play that way and you know it had been part of the way the game had shifted, he probably could have figured it out. But Powell didn't stretch out as far as a guy like AD right. did. You know, Tim Duncan, as versatile a player as he was in terms of sure. overall skill set, the, the if, big yeah. men just didn't do these if they, if they those guys came along now, they'd all do that stuff, but they didn't, and they did, they did and they right. did. 
I mean, there, there really may be no comp because it's this combination of era and specific skill set and the two players you're talking about. And talent. And I think yeah. talent level because, yes. you know, well, I, 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 I'm, not a, I'm not good at this game, but like the was what, you know, in LeBron AD, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, you had three of the top, I don't know. I mean, where was Wade at that point? He was a top 10, the top five guy, top 10. I mean, he's definitely top 10. So maybe that's a comp and talent, but like right now, I mean, it's it sort of matters less, you know, what it was half a decade ago and what it is right now. There's nobody, there's no other team in the league that can line up with at worst two of the five best players in the league. And I think there would people who would argue at least by the end of the playoffs, that the Lakers had the two best players in the NBA. Um, and it's, it's a defensible argument and whether it's, 100% accurate or not, if you have a defensible argument to make that you have two of the five best players, or I'm sorry, two of the five best and maybe the two best, you leverage the hell out of that now. Yep. And I I just, I, I think that's sort of what they'll do. I don't think they'll do anything stupid. I don't think they'll have to. But, you know, if you can re-sign KCP at a, at a reasonable number, even if it's a little more than you want, and you can go out and get another uh, offensive player. Because I do think the, the team would benefit tremendously if not from Danilo Gallinari, who is an outstanding player, but somebody who fits that profile. I mean, well, okay, here's an guy who can fit in and will score and can do other things and is, is good. Like, you spend money on that. It's okay to not spend just on superstars um, and it gives again, it gives you that flexibility of being able to make a trade if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking. I, I took a look at some guys who could end up uh, free, like free agents, um, or you know, potential possibilities through trade. You know, that you could figure out a rental for Demar Derozan. You could figure out a rental, you know, for Schroeder. You know, I mean, you could Those figure guys out to become free agents next year, right? But you know, but there's also too like if say somebody like for example DJ Augustine. Um, who I think could help this team a lot. He could take some pressure off LeBron. He can do some scoring. You would have to give him a multi-year deal if you, yeah, if you were going to. Probably. I mean, not not a ton. I mean, he's a guy you could use an exception on. You that's know, what I'm talking about. Bigger one. That's, that, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it would yeah. take it. We take right. at least part I, of it, or certainly like Gallinari. I mean, you're talking Gallinari. You're gonna have to hope he takes a pay cut. Like that's, and you're gonna have to certainly give him your 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 full mid. Your right. That's full my point. Is mid level is gonna have to go to him for whatever. Like absolutely, you're not gonna get him. Right, but I'm saying if you sign Danilo Gallinari, it's going to be sure. three for 27 minimum, if not four for 36. You know, I mean, right, something along those lines. And, and would, that's with some, probably signing KCP. You're taking all, yes, almost all yes. your money off the table. That, and I, I would, would, I would and I would do it in a heartbeat. Would I you do? I don't. And I, and this is again kind of fun because I think the mechanics of it make it almost impossible. Would you do this sort of gigantic mythical CP3 trade? Where you send everything out and CP comes back and it's you know forty million next year and forty million the year after and all that. I'd be tempted. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie, I'd be tempted because you can protect the fuck out of him physically all season long. CP was great this year. You'd have three guys who finished in the top eight in MVP. CP was eight, right or seven in MVP candidate uh, in MVP voting. Three in the top ten and. I don't see why you'd get worse. I mean, the only thing he and LeBron, he and LeBron are friends, so you don't have to worry about 
the whole like sometimes people don't like playing with Chris Paul. It still would be kind of LeBron's show to run. The the biggest concern that you would have is that this season in OKC is an outlier for Chris's health moving forward. Right. You know, I mean that that would be the concern you'd have because you know he's going to be making he's going to be making a lot of money that isn't necessarily problematic because it's only for a few more years and you understand that going into it. And be on this one or three. I'll look it up. You talk, I'll look it up. The but you the the problem would be if he struggles to stay if he struggles to stay healthy, there's going to be a vacuum in production that could be very difficult to account for. Yes. Um and, and I think that's really where the problem lies is just if he if he has a difficult time staying healthy, you're not gonna be able to move that deal and you're gonna have no flexibility at all. And the Lakers have at that point, they'll have had no assets because Kuzma's almost, you know, Kuzma's going to be in that deal, either the pick or no, it's, Kalen it's Kuzma. It's whoever goes. It's it's everything that isn't nailed to the floor that they right. can trade has to go out. So you're you're not going to have a lot of you're not going to have a lot of uh, other options to improve yeah, and the it, team. And again, it's it's this more it's more of a thought exercise than anything. The CP makes forty one and a half million next year. 44 and a half or 44 and a third the year following and then he's an unrestricted free agent so i mean you're all in but your your basic theory is almost exactly what it was with Kawhi and i mean if it is just if if you get those three guys together yeah he certainly solves the problem of not having a ball handler outside of lebron it i would seriously consider it i mean how much of it is based on Man, I want to watch that team. Like, I, I, is it a good idea or a bad idea? I'm not entirely sure. I, you know, you almost have to know what like the sliding doors option for Earth Two is in that situation. But as a basketball person, like you know, covers this and lo- you know loves watching the NBA, I would very much like to see what it looks like when LeBron, Chris Paul, and Anthony Davis play together. Because, wow, I would also really like to see Chris Paul get a ring. Yeah, me too. Because he has been better in the playoffs than than the reputation that he has. And, you know, he's had a few meltdowns in the playoffs. You know, he's had a few bad games that obviously he has to own. But if, you, if you've watched him in the playoffs and you look at his numbers, you recognize that dude has been great. In the postseason, well, the he's biggest thing happened is he got hurt. Like that, like it's the physical stuff. I think that is really yeah. And he's also he's had a few no, right. hiccups. Like, and you know, stuff. you go back to the you know if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt against the Warriors, like the entire yes stretch of like NBA history changes if CP yes. pull a hammy in that strength in that yes. in that game. But uh, I would you know, I would like to I would like to see Chris Paul get a championship or get it if nothing else chance. really get a long playoff run i would like i would like to see that for him i'd like to see for the game because i mean honestly other than i don't understand why he can't keep alfonso ribeiro off his property um like why is it that you know like call the police man jake from state farm can't take care of this like there's so much weirdness going on with that at his house, oh, there, it, was there is no, that, it was weird enough that Jake was hanging out with him all the time anyway, and now you have this fake guy. Like, Other than that, which is an oversight on his part, there's not a whole lot. He is one of the 
transcendent players of this generation. Like he is so, I think people, because they get so caught up in the rings thing and CP's never made it to the, you know, is it not still never made it to the conference finals? Right. CP. Yeah. Um, no, he's been, I think he's been the Western conference finals. One, one conference with finals, Houston, not, right with Houston, but never the finals. No, he's um, never been in the finals. Because of that, every you know, it's like I think people are forgetting how just absurd. Let me look good. it up. But I, I believe when they I, lost I, that I, year, I, it was Western Conference right. Finals. I could be wrong. Um, like he, people just forget how absurdly good he has been over the last whatever it is, twelve or thirteen years. He's just terrifyingly good, and I, I, I would like to see that get paid off. Um, so yeah, that's the stuff that's going on. Obviously, Andy, there'll be a, a few opportunities to kind of get into more specifics about what the Lakers do as the offseason. Yes, it was goes correct, on. by the way, just to clarify. Uh, yeah, Western was, Conference Finals in 2018. Okay, so he's never made a finals, and that's I think nope. the only conference finals he's been in. That um, is true. Um, so what do you want to do first, uh, Maury or Ty? Um, let's get to uh, let's get to Ty Lue. All you right, know, it's, it's across the street. So the Clippers hire Ty Lue this week, five-year deal. He gets his five years from a Los Angeles team. It just turns out not to be the Lakers. As far as I could tell, this was the only guy they could hire for this job in terms of uh, when, when you combine quality of the candidate available, and certainly Lou is really well-respected around the league. I think probably was considered the best name out there of guys that you could go hire, um, but also familiarity with the team because the, the Clippers do not have time to to mess around here. Another disastrous season, another bad playoffs, whatever it might be, and both Kawhi and Paul George could go. And whether you like Paul George or not, they gave up way too much stuff to see those guys walk after two years. So they have to make it work this year. I almost, I don't see how they could have hired anybody but Ty Lue in this situation. Well, I mean, you also assume that they went to Kawhi and most likely as well, Paul George, and said, do you like the idea of yes. moving Ty Lue up a chair? 100%. I mean, they, there's no way that they did this without those guys' blessing. Yep. Because if they are trying to maximize, you know, not just the opportunity in front of them, but like you were saying, literally keeping those guys, then there's no question. They're, they have to get that blessing. They absolutely do. It, and yeah, go I on. Would, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, Lou, Lou is known as, I mean, for, in hearing people who I either really trust their opinion of the X's and O's or have just covered Lou closer than either one of us has, I've heard him mentioned a few times as better as an X's and O's guy than a lot of people realize. Mm -hmm. And he's always been known as somebody who does very well with other players. He's got gravitas. And, you know, I, I personally feel, I mean, the coach that they hired matters, but I also feel that in a lot of ways, what matters more than whoever they brought in to replace doc is how much does this team look around at each other, look themselves in the mirror and say, we got to get our shit together. Yep. Like we, we are the reason that this shit fell apart. Well, and I think, I think Ty, if you read some of the, like how he handled LeBron and how he talked to LeBron, the way he got those team that sort of brought LeBron back after the David Blatt stuff, a lot of it was holding LeBron to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I think he's a good coach for that, to be able to look at these guys and like, you know, coaching staff and, you know, so on and so on. But you guys fucked up, you know, like we, as an organization, we screwed up. Like, it's not just us. It's also you. And, you know, 
I, I fully, fully expect the Clippers to be very good next year. I think they'll make the right tweaks. Like I think they got to figure out what to do with Harrell and, but like that was a really good team. And I think this gets to a little bit of that question of gap. Like the Clippers are probably sitting there going, okay, you know, we had all these guys to integrate. We had some health issues over the course of the season. We maybe we should have pressed a little harder in terms of getting guys on the floor together more often, maybe not protected them as much, but looking at the playoffs, you know, Pat Beverly was hurt and Trez had the, you know, the, the personal tragedies uh, that were going on that, that had to have impacted his play and the Lou Williams. They never had the opportunity to try to get continuity in Orlando that other teams got. And I think it was, we've talked about on, on late night happy hour, it's sort of an extension a little bit of, of what happened in the regular season, but it's also something you can look at and say, Okay, that's probably not going to happen the same way again. We think we're closer to the Lakers than maybe the standings or the playoff results said. So they can look at it the other way and say that I don't, you know, we don't have to be that much better. We just have to we have, we have to be more focused and 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 we have to get over ourselves. We have to, yes, I think it's a good way of putting it. They they need to get over themselves. And the guys like Kawhi and Paul George who arrived this year and brought the team's star power that if they want to win a championship is necessary, those guys obviously have to do a better job as leaders. And, you know, in the case of Paul George, in the playoffs, just play better. I mean, Kawhi picked a terrible time to have probably his worst game of the playoffs, but Kawhi in the playoffs was pretty was, damn good. He was really good. But you Kawhi know, Leonard was not the reason they went home. No, but But Kawhi, if I had to guess needs to find ways to be a more effective leader. And then guys like Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, assuming all of them are back next year, you know, Zubots, all these guys who are part of, you know, sort of like grit and grind West, you know, that that team that has an eight seed push the push the Warriors pretty admirably. And, you know, very much had like a almost like a click mentality. They're going to have to get over the fact that they've got stars on this team who are going to be treated like the stars that they aren't, and that is what goes on and, with every team. And I think it'll give Ty – Ty gives them a chance to reset some of those things to where, like, you know what, if it makes more sense to play Zubats more, then they can play Zubats more. Like, sure. they, they need to sit Lou in certain combinations. In the four. It's just – it's a reset. And I, I Doc is an excellent coach, and he's an excellent – uh, motivator of people and connector to people. I mean, I, I think you know, track record's too good there. But I don't. I'm not 100 percent convinced by any stretch or even 50 like that he's a better coach than Ty Lue. Um, you know, Lou is limited in the sense that people still want to know. Well, what can you do when you're not with LeBron? Um, well, the sample size is just small. It's, it's small. small right. and you don't know. You don't know. And it, in coaching, coaching a LeBron team is so specific. Um, and, and, and it's not easy, but it's, it's, it's unique. I, I, but you know, X's and O's, he's got a a great reputation. All of those things that you think about, he's just, you can argue he's a more modern version of doc. Maybe. Um, and you know, in, in the game that we're in now, you need that. So I'm not, I'm not convinced that this isn't even that this is a, a lateral move or a downgrade or something that you make out of necessity, but man, you're going to miss Doc. Like I don't know that. I, I don't know. I mean, Luke could absolutely prove to be better, at, you know, a better fit and a better coach than Doc. He could. Would. He could be a 
look, he could end up a better coach. He may just be a better fit. And sometimes the fit matter matters more than the actual coaching acumen. What I do know is this. It may just be a matter of Doc having run his course at that team. Because if you look at Doc's winning percentage as the Clippers coach and what he did in the playoffs and compare it to the last two years of Vinny Del Negro, once his team had Chris Paul, like a legitimate chance at being good, those last two years of Vinny are basically the same in terms of winning percentage and how far you got in the playoffs as yeah. Doc. And, and I'm that's not right. that's right. not to say that Vinny Del Negro is a better coach than Doc because I don't think he is. But it speaks to they haven't really gained any ground under Doc. They're like they're less of a joke now, but a lot of that has to do with just Donald Sterling not being right. there. With all due respect to the stuff that Doc helped shepherd this team through, a lot of that just has to do with there's a different dude cutting the checks. Right. That, that that's a big part of this. Yeah. And I think another good parallel here is are the Raptors. I mean, Dwayne Casey won 56, 51, and 59 games in his last three seasons in Toronto. He won coach of the year. Nick Nurse is a better coach. You know, in in, in the modern I mean, I, I don't mean that as a slice slight against Casey, but Nick Nurse is one of the probably two or three or four best coaches in the NBA, as it turns out. So you didn't yeah. know that at the time. But it turned out to be that way. And so while Doc, I think, is put in that sort of upper echelon of, of coaches in the league, there I, I, I there's no reason to believe that that Lou can't be equally good uh, and if not more successful, you know, the context changes and then the the, the skill of the person himself. I, mean, I just say it's it's I don't and I and I'm not trying to create a straw man here and say like, all these people are talking about how the lake you know the Clippers are gonna suffer without Doc because I don't think I've seen a ton of that, but um, I've seen literally none. Right. So I mean, like, I I, I don't necessarily I, I don't think the assumptions out. I, there. I've heard a lot of people say that Doc isn't the problem, and replacing Doc doesn't automatically solve it. I have not really seen any reaction of "Be careful what you wish for," right? Or they're going to miss. Why Doc. Did, oh my god! How could they run that guy out of town? Or no, I, mostly what I've seen is. I don't know if that necessarily fixes it. Right. And so I, I but I but think there's a difference. Um, the other big move this week was Daryl Morey. He, uh, I guess resigned. Uh, yes, he did. Parted, parted ways with the, the Houston Rockets. Um, they, they, you know, they, that team is going the wrong direction. There's still, I still think assuming their stars stay healthy next year, I think they're in the playoffs. So it's good. Harden and Westbrook together are, are just too I'm not good. Convinced, but I'm we'll not, see. I still think they. I mean, I still think they're one of the eight best teams in the conference. I know uh, what you're saying. I'm not convinced. But. No, I get it. Um, I mean, if they miss the playoffs next year, would it shock me? No. I mean, Golden State is coming back, so they're going to be like. There's going to be at least one or two really good teams in the in the conference that don't get in there. Houston could be one of them, but um, I, I I think they they would have a you know a. I would put them in to start the season right now because, you know, Oklahoma sure. City probably drops out. Um, so, but they're the only team in the conference that's, other than, I guess, Oklahoma City, who has a ton of stuff to work with, a lot of assets. They could get better quickly um, if they choose to rebuild. And even if they keep Chris Paul, they still got so much stuff that they can rebuild quickly. Um, 
Houston's the only team that's going the wrong way. There, there's no way for them to get better as currently constructed. So Maury walks away. And I think the big question there is, how good a GM do you think Daryl Morey was in Houston? He was really successful. He, I mean, if in terms of winning and in terms of continually putting uh, an organization, if nothing else, in a position to win games, get to the playoffs, and then roll the dice, see what happens, he was pretty consistent. I mean, the, the Rockets... I don't know exactly when Daryl Morey arrived, but I know they did not miss the playoffs many years, if they any. Made, they made eight straight playoffs, which is a you know the 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 leader in the conference. They've had, I think they they were, yeah. Look up when Morey was hired, but they. He, I'm looking at, according to David Aldridge, uh, 14 years in Houston. So okay, so they they had a couple missed playoffs, but they were never under 500. Um, and only this, I know only in that time did the only team that won more was San Antonio in terms of raw games. So that's, that's good. And it's not like, you know, you're not working with all of the advantages in Houston that you are in some other places. So, you know, the flip side is, you know, I, and I, I think, you know, the, obviously the influence that Maury had is it's, it's very D'Antoni like where, you can criticize the results. You can, but you can't. You cannot. You can't downplay the impact. I Look, guess Brian, this is very difficult for me in some ways because Daryl Morey and I are Facebook friends. That's true. so. Like it, it's you really it, feel like a friend is suffering. Like, yeah, I mean, like I mean, he he is somebody that I believe. Well, actually, I, I don't even believe. What I know Daryl Morey liked one of your pictures. Um, I, I'm not sure he ever has, <laughs> but I know, I know this, he friended me because there's no way in hell I would have friended Daryl Morey. Like that just simply doesn't make he sense. He sought you out. He did. He, he sought said, me I out. I want to be friends. Yes. I mean, well, again, I don't remember exactly when this happened. I just know I would have felt ridiculous sending out a friend request to Daryl Morey who I have only met in passing and only like a couple of times. So that would have been ridiculous. For whatever reason, Daryl Morey sought out my Facebook friendship. Um, and also, making this even compounding it, uh, he follows us on Twitter. And by, us I, mean, right. by us, I mean me. Um, clearly, I mean, this is, this well, is more Facebook friends, right? I, I mean, you're just, you're just there. there. The following us on Twitter, like that's like, okay, he's a GM, he's keeping up on Lakers stuff, whatever it might be. He finds our observations to be pithy and entertaining, but it's, it is different when, you know, he, he, there's a personal connection. When I just want to make on regular yeah. Facebook and like, Hey, Andy. Yeah. I mean, I just want to make, yourself, what if you had said no? What if you blocked him? Yeah, I, That's awkward. I mean, I, I could have pulled a power move. I just, I just want people to understand like when, it, when we talk about Daryl Morey and I do a lot of, you know, full disclosure, like say that that phrase a lot. Like I want people to understand. No, it's important where I'm coming from. Like, do you it's, do you think after he sent the request, how long do you think he waited before he went back to check his mail to see if you had approved the request? I mean, that poke if, function. 
he kept poking. <laughs> poke, poke, <laughs> he, just, poke, he just kept poking. Poke, poke, I'm like, poke, yo, poke, man, poke. settle down, Daryl. Yo, D-Mori. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he just he kept just poking and poking until finally I just said, okay, fine. fine I'll accept Darryl, your I'll friend your request, Daryl. Um, so yeah, I mean, just it's he, I think if you have a big criticism of Mori as a GM, it's that he, he it's not that he's too reliant on analytics. It's you know, I think the Russell Westbrook swing was probably a little overly aggressive and very unlikely to work. Um, I was completely respect, like you had the philosophy of like, if you have a 5% chance of winning a title, you owe it, you have to go for it. Um, and I, you know, I might, maybe I bump that up to 15 if I'm running the team, but I think as a fan, that's kind of what you want. The only criticism I think is it makes it so nothing ever sits long enough to kind of figure out what you have and how it can be improved. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I relentlessly tinkering. I, I, I was going to say there's a bit of a mad scientist element to Daryl Morey. And, you know, he he has a reputation of stars above all else and always being in pursuit of stars. And we saw that in the James Harden era that he went from Dwight Howard to Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. You know, there were pursuits of Chris Bosh. There were pursuit, uh, pursuits of uh, Pau Gasol. I mean, there were there were a lot of different guys that, that Morey went after. And, you know, it's a weird year to say this uh, continuity matters after the Lakers, right? You know, or I mean, that, they brought or that stars. You know, the idea of stars above all else is like right. the wrong way to go. And the Lakers have like the two best ones in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, and the Lakers did like we talked about in the beginning of the show. They did run back some guys, but you know, it was it was, it was a year new, where you had a new team, right? Well, it was new, if nothing else, in the foundation of LeBron and AD, which mattered most, and they had a new coach, so. There were elements of non-continuity there, and I and I do think continuity, generally speaking, matters. And I, you can make a think a pretty strong argument that Daryl Morey didn't often just let things settle, but he he had a very very successful run as GM of the Rockets. He having not won a championship doesn't diminish that. Most GMs don't come close to accomplishing what he did. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think most fans would be happy to have someone as good as him running their team. I I I, I don't know where he ends up, but do you want me to ask him on Facebook? Please, if you could just reach out <laughs> yeah. to him. Like that is a like the team that hires Maury. Like that's an interesting one. So yeah, um, yeah it will be interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, all right, so. One last thing before we go. It is the 30th anniversary of Dances with Wolves. Yes. Um, the premiere. Movie, you know, a, a movie that uh, won an Academy Award um, the same year it was nominated against Goodfellas, mm -hmm. which has essentially made it one of the most derided Oscar Best Picture winners of all time because who the fuck doesn't think Goodfellas is going to be Dances with Wolves? In the academy, <laughs> in the academy, but like if you could vote again, I think oh, the academy would probably be like, like a revote. I, I imagine if you went, I imagine if you went to Kevin Costner, he'd be like, you know, I think I did, I think I did some good work directing this thing, right. but Goodfellas, come on, so, man. When was the last time you actually saw Dances with Wolves? Because it's on TV all the time. It's been, I'm guess, from start to finish, two decades. 
I, I have not seen Dances with Wolves from start to finish. I've seen scenes of it, like maybe 20 minutes of it, 15 minutes of it. I have not seen that movie from start to finish, I'm guessing, in two decades. I, I was not a massive fan of it when it came out, but also my perception of the movie was, I think, very heavily slanted by the fact that I, I had a pretty large distaste for Kevin Costner you at the time. Kevin Costner. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, 30 I, years ago, Andy hated Kevin Costner. Yeah, that that has since mellowed. Um, I, I've gained... I think he's given some better performances since uh, Dances with Wolves that, that has... Uh, I, I think uh, alleviated some of that, and also too, I think just sometimes as you get older, you you gain perspective on different performances, different whatever. But I, um, again, I've not seen the movie in a long time. Okay, I might I might have a bit of a of a different reaction just from having a bit of a different take on Costner. I mean, he's still not one of my favorites, but okay. I don't have a visceral reaction to him the way I used to. I will I'll tell you, I have I. It's not better than Goodfellas. Goodfellas should have won Best Picture. Not have. I'm not arguing about this. My all-time favorite movie. I like Dances with Wolves a lot, and I like Costner in it a lot. I think it's a really good movie. It's too long, but you know, it was trying to win an Oscar. They're all that long. The music's beautiful. The scenery is gorgeous. I think his performance is actually really good. Um, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's. I just think it's really good and. It is kind of funny. I know this is part of the reason you wanted to bring it up, like how context can take a movie like this and make it. I think most people think, many movie people, I think at least, think of Dances with the Wolves as a much worse movie than I think it actually is because it lost to Goodfellas. Well, or because it beat Goodfellas, I say. I, I was going to say, I, I don't know if they necessarily. I think a lot of people may remember it worse than it is because it's so outrageous that the movie beat Goodfellas, which, you know, Goodfellas standing has only grown over time. And I mean, it, it was very obviously very well received in the moment, but it, its reputation and its influence and its stature has only risen in 30 years. I mean, like right. Goodfellas is as revered a movie in the modern era as, as exists. And it is considered just absolute highway robbery that, you know, that it would lose and that it would take Scorsese, you know, also too, that it would take Scorsese, you know, another, I think 16 years between Goodfellas and The Departed before he eventually won a best director. And The, the Departed is a very entertaining movie, but it's, it's no, it's, yeah, not, it's, not, it's, not it's, it's not Scorsese at his true peak. I and I really like The Departed. It's it's extremely watchable. It's very entertaining. There's elements of it that I think are quite well done, but you know it's it's not at the tier no. of Scorsese's no. absolute no. best. And that in and of itself, when when guys, when different actors or actresses, directors, people like that don't win when it's perceived they should have, and then eventually get their turn on the stage for what is considered lesser work, that can sometimes add to even more resentment. You know, like it's the Pacino factor with Son of a Woman. Yes. You know, like that, you know, that is, in the grand scheme of things, not one of Al Pacino's best performances, but he had no, been nominated. You know that's not even bad. Like, it's sort of like, it's, it, 
remove all the other stuff. It is it's sort of all the worst qualities of Al Pacino in a role. It wasn't Al Pacino's best performance that year. He got nominated yeah. for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross that year. That's a better performance, but he wasn't going to finally break through in supporting, you know, looking for best actor. So I think in that sense, it may, you know, it may hurt Dances with Wolves. I think Dances with Wolves also, and this is sort of my memory of it. I have not seen it in a long time, but I'm sure there is an element of, you know, white savior role that I'm sure no question doesn't age doesn't age as well. There are or, aspects of it, yes. It's not last time I watched it, it's not as bad as I would have thought. Um, it is, I think, a movie that tries to be very respectful of its subject matter, and it certainly is not um, complimentary to the <laughs> to the the white settlers but, moving across the country. But what what I ultimately though just savior is what I, what I ultimately just found really interesting about this is just the idea that obviously Kevin Costner is not going to return or regret those Oscars, but it's one of those cases where winning big at the Oscars in a lot of ways hurts the legacy of your movie. And that that's a very unique situation. Right. And it's also, it's just one of those things that never goes away because like I said, Goodfellas only becomes more enduring and that movie is now permanently attached to Goodfellas. And it's, it's not, I mean, Dances with Wolves isn't thought of as like Crash, where like, no, seriously, like within an hour of Crash, when it was like, wait, what did we, what just happened? Um, and I was somebody who, when I, at least the first time I saw Crash, liked it more than other people did. But um, it is, it is suffers. What I will say this go watch it again. You and other people out there, judge for yourselves whether or not you think it's 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 good. I do. I really do like that movie. If I'm not supposed to, I know there's like a Forrest Gump backlash that I was supposed to engage in. I like that movie too, um, but I, I I do believe that uh, Dances with Wolves good film. Yeah, but I never I, hated Costner as much as you did. I for a you while really man. hated Costner. Yes, you I did. Costner. Yes, I did. Um, I mean, hated him. Yeah, I really disliked his work a lot. Like I said, it has aged in certain respects better than I thought it would or aged with me better than I thought it would. He's still not my favorite actor by any no. stretch, but he has grown on me more than I would have expected, certainly at the time. So, Well, there you go. Um, all right, so a lot to uh, cover this offseason. Um, got some some good stuff, we hope, coming up in the podcast. Um, some announcements, that uh, probably maybe as soon as next week, but we'll see. Um, and things we think will be beneficial to uh, us and you know, help us bring you guys a better show. Want to remind to clarify you, the podcast is not going away. No, podcast make not sure going people away. understand that it's an improvement. We hope yes. in, in the in the quality of the podcast. Uh, just a quick reminder: late night happy hour this week. Uh, Mirren Fader, uh, the great uh, writer at Bleacher Report, is going to join us Monday. Kalen Jones from The Athletic on Tuesday. The Ringer. I'm sorry, The Ringer on Tuesday. We have another Raiders guy that we're trying to get, a uh, different Raiders guy. But Kalen Jones from The Ringer on Tuesday and Elsie Granderson from the LA Times and ESPN Los Angeles on Wednesday. And then we'll do some World Series on Thursday and Friday probably because Dodgers ain't here in the World Series again after a fantastic game on Sunday. Unreal, man. Unreal. Uh, kudos to the Dodgers for making that work, and we will see everybody next week with the uh, Lando Lakers podcast. Again, delicious pizza. Oh, right. Visit Thank them. You. Two 
locations, Sunset in Hollywood, West Adams, 20% off if you give them the password. Cam you Brothers. Sunset and West Hollywood thing in a Telly Savalas voice like you're doing the Diners Club. Sunset. <laughs> West Jesus. Adams. Nice current reference that people <laughs> will get. Um, nobody understood that. Reno, <laughs> Las Vegas, <Jeez>. Lake Tahoe. <laughs> Ryan is referencing a fairly obscure, I believe, diners club diners commercial club. from like, like, the diners club thing. like 1983, 84. I don't even think it's that recent. <laughs> I think it actually may be closer to like 79. But anyway, um, again, password cam brothers support local business, support the local business of a massive laker fan um now oh andy it was the late 80s it was that recent yeah let me share my screen for people who can play it <laughs> see if we can play it do we want to do this or <laughs> yes and it, no it's sort of the end it's the end of the show i mean people, right. people can stop at this point um so we'll hit the button and we go share here's one of them at least they try everything to save some money as the newspaper travel agents but there's a better way Players Club. Oh, Players Club, not Diners Club. You know, these people know about going first class. So they book into some of the best casino resorts in the country, in the world. The Riviera, the Flamingo Hilton, Harris, The Flamingo Hilton! Fun places. And your membership card? Get you up to sixty percent off your room in season when other people pay to get the room, and that's every day of the year. Twenty-five percent off meals and drinks, another fifty percent. Sounds like a good deal to me. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to know why this card's so special? <laughs> tell us, Telly. Uh, David P. Handlin, president of Resorts International, will tell you. And I haven't even mentioned airfares. Oh fuck, Telly! Tell me. Get the fuck out. <laughs> GTFO. You call this number, and I'll send you plenty of free information. You take your time, you read it, and you make up your own minds. I know one thing. Players Club can really do all this. It can save you big money on airfare and hotels. It puts you on VIP lines with big discounts on meals and drinks and shows and entertainment. You know what? I'm going to get my number and you're going to call me and you're going to give me one of these. Telly, who loves you, baby? Come on. Call the number. Come. Absolutely fun. All right. There you go, Telly. That was delightful. I'm glad well, we did that. By the way, um, and this will be a shock to people upon hearing the, that Players Club spot, uh, according to his Wikipedia page, Telly Savalas uh, was a world-class poker player who finished 21st in the main event of the World Series of Poker in 1992. 100% believe that. <laughs> oh, totally believable. Um, see, like, you you didn't want to do that. Still not 100%. I would have done that at the 33-minute mark of the podcast necessarily, but, you know, an hour in, it's okay. It is okay. Anyway, delicious pizza. <laughs> Started all this. It's a place I think Telly Savalas would have eaten. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Were he still with us, and he is not <laughs> decidedly, <laughs> decidedly not still with us. But it's good. I don't tell you, Savalas, you want to put him through 2020. He didn't deserve that. No. Um, all right. We'll see everybody next week.